Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call to join Allworth's Money Matters. Call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome to Allworth's Money Matters. Scott Hansen, Pat McLean. Glad you are joining us today as we talk about financial matters. Myself and my co-host here, we're both practicing advisors. Our objective with people is to help them get to a point where they have some financial independence, meaning that work is an option and not an obligation. Retirement's a possibility if that's something they want. Making sure things are structured in such a manner to um, maximize what's important to them in their lives. And money's a funny thing because... I mean, you go to the kind of, there's some people that think money's kind of a, a bad thing. Money's the root of all evils, right? There's people that like, well, money's bad and the accumulation of money therefore must be bad, right? There's some that take a vow of poverty. Yes. And religious. Um, and then there's some that, that are so, they, the money to them is about power and control and ego. But if you kind of in the middle, there's that, it's, an, it's a necessary tool. Yes. <laughs> right? Because without money, it's, you can't eat, you can't have a roof over your head. It's what you use to exchange for goods and services. It's what it is. I always like to say it is a form of a store of labor for most people. And being able to diligently save over a lifetime is so important to be able to get to a point where you've got some financial independence, which is important so that whether or not you want to retire, you're in a position that if a health issue takes you out or it just gives you more freedom and more options in life. Yes. Where but, lack of lack of resources obviously gives you a lot less choices. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a discipline. I say it was interesting. I read an article recently on um, student debts and how it was a problem for some people going into ministries where they have vows of poverty. And so they're figuring out creative ways to oh, help. I saw. I read that article. Help people get their yeah, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. It was a, it was about a gentleman that was joining the Jesuits. They take a vow of poverty, and he had seventy thousand dollars. What does it mean to be poverty? Impoverished. Well, how poor is that? It, well, it not by, by the way, not, Scott. So, and I'm by no mean a, a Catholic scholar or even an expert on this, but I have friends that are priests that are in orders that take a vow of poverty, and I have priests that are in orders that don't take a vow of poverty. So not all Catholic orders take a vow of poverty, right? But typically what ends up happening is the order itself. So you're reliant upon, make sure you're, a, you're reliant upon the church or A group of people to, for, your, for the, your means of support. And if that's how you want to face retirement, <laughs> then go for it. Yeah. But then they're yeah yes. But then there's orders that the individuals take the vow of poverty, but the the order itself is quite wealthy. Yeah. Quite wealthy. But the the what they were doing was to take the vow of poverty. Is they were asking, uh, they were doing GoFundMe pages to pay off the student loans. Not a bad gig for a year or two. Your student loans are wiped out. You had your vow of poverty, and then you come out of. <laughs> Yeah, your <laughs> oh, poverty sounds. Being in debt is even more impoverished, isn't it? Having seventy thousand of debt and no means to pay. <laughs> that actually have a negative. Actually, the student loans aren't aren't the payments based upon your income anyway. If your income's below, maybe it still is a minimum. I don't know if there is a minimum. <laughs> I don't know, but that would be the ultimate of like how much debt can you take on before you take your vow yes. poverty. So you I don't think those people at the Student Loan Administration thought of that, did they? Uh, anyway. But Mike, look, my, my daughter's- Money's a, a funny thing. My daughter's a teacher in a low-income school. They don't make enough money to really pay back any substantial amount of student loans. Who, the teachers? Yeah, at least in certain districts. Well, isn't, she, isn't her pay based upon the kind of education she provides to her students? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> or is it based upon how many years of service she has years or what college service. credit she has and what's That's their right. certification? That's right. That's right. Anyway, let's go on. Yeah. Don't want to talk if you want to join the show, 
833-99-WORTH, 833-999-6784. It could be a question about your retirement. Like, do you have enough safe for retirement? It could be a question about which which income sources should you be pulling from? Do you look at pulling from your brokerage account first? It could be a question on what do you do with a, a mutual fund or a stock that you've held for years that has high gains in it, but it's now a big piece of your portfolio. It could be with how do you figure out the best way to get your mortgage paid down for retirement. Those questions and more. Uh, you call this number. We schedule a time. Uh, we come in the studio and record a couple During hours the worth of calls. During so the week. 833-99-WORTH will get so you onto our program. Podcast listeners, just call up, leave a message, talk to someone. We'll get back to you. 833-999-6784. All right. We're going to talk with Martha in California. Martha, thanks for joining all of this Money Matters. Good afternoon, Scott and Pat. Hi, Great Martha. To listen to you. I love your po- podcast very much. I've been listening a very long time. Oh, thank you. And my, my question is, back in early, mid-70s, my husband and I purchased, uh, oddly enough, as a hedge against inflation, uh, a lot of silver and gold coins. And my question is, is this an ideal time to um, dispose of these? And if it is, what's the best way to do it? How much, how much is a percentage of your portfolio are these gold coins? Is it 1%, 10%, 20%? It, All of your life savings? Yeah. What percentage of your <laughs> money is tied up in these gold and silver coins? Oh, I would say probably less than 1%. What do you think you should do? I have no idea. Well, you've point. had them since the I mean, <laughs> early <laughs> 70s. It's only been 50 years, and now you're uh, – how old are you, Martha? 75. And do you have uh, grandkids, kids and grandkids? Uh, yes, two grandkids. So if, if you were my, my older sister, I would probably say, why don't you just keep those and, and, mm-hmm. and figure out the value? Maybe you want to give it to your grandkids or give it to your kids and grandkids. Like, it's a small percentage of your portfolio. Like, the, the, if you sold them, then what do you do with the money? You're going to have to reinvest uh, it somewhere, right? Unless you tell me you've got something you uh, want to spend it on. No, not particularly. I probably would just use it for living expenses. Well, okay. then Rather than drawing from my portfolios. Would you splurge on something you might not otherwise? Mm, probably not. Oh, because I just had a client that had plenty of money. Plenty of money. Had a bunch of silver at home. Kind of the same thing. They'd owned it for forty years. She asked, call, called me up. Said, "Hey, I've got all this silver. I'm like, What's it worth?" She said, oh, probably about sixty, seventy thousand dollars. I go, "Is there anything you really have been looking at and just haven't been able to buy that you're just uncomfortable?" And she said, "Yeah, a new car." And I said, "Sell the silver, buy a car. It's not going to affect you over the long term financially. Mm-hmm. More than enough. I assume that you have more than enough money to live comfortably." Martha, is this a fair assumption? Yes. Normally, when people are in their twenties are buying gold and silver and putting them in their in their house somewhere, they're pretty good savers. Just gonna go with that. <laughs> That's right. When they're okay. young, That's when they're young. So I imagine that there was lots of discussion around the family about saving money and investing appropriately. I'm going to go with Scott. Uh, if you want something, sell it and buy it. If there's nothing that you desire, just hang on to it. It's I mean, not going to change. So if if it was a big percentage of your portfolio, ten percent or something, it'd be a different story. But you got the big capital gains on it as well. Yeah. Where if you hold it. Until it's a higher rate too, isn't it? Isn't it twenty five percent for? Um, I could be metals. wrong. I don't recall that. I could be wrong. Don't quote me on that. So unless you need the money, just hang on to it. It's not going to make a difference one way or the other. It's a small percentage of your portfolio. I'd have them put in a safety deposit box or a really good safe. Yeah. Yes, right. they are in a really good safe. Okay. Um, so if I do decide to dispose of them, what's the best way to do oh, it? You want to go to a local reputable uh, dealer and sell them directly. Don't go online. Don't go to any of these commercials. There's local reputable dealers. Uh, there's two or three. And you, if you want, you can bring them to two of them and see who's going to give you the highest price. And they should be almost identical in price. Okay. All got right. It. 
great. What you don't want to do, you so much, Martha. What you don't want to do is I'll share a quick story. Mm-hmm. When I was a when I was a waiter in college, there was a busboy that worked with me, and he came to work. What are you laughing about? Wait, where's this going? That's hilarious. And he, and he came to work, and he was distraught, absolutely distraught. And I asked him, "What's wrong?" And his his parents were his dad was a doctor, and they had done well enough, uh, well enough that they would, had actually been buying gold coins, wrapping them in butcher paper, and putting it in the freezer in their garage, so that no one would steal it. So mom and dad go on vacation. Freezer breaks. He comes home from work. All the meat's rotten. The kid does. Mom mm-hmm. and dad are on vacation prior to cell phones. Throws it all in the trash, not knowing that there's gold oh coins wrapped up there. He thinks it's all uh, spoiled meat. And so he was distraught because he had thrown out twenty or $30,000 worth Ooh. of gold coins in the early 80s. Don't put it in your freezer. Mm. <laughs> That's the moral <laughs> That's of, the story moral of that story. Don't put it in the freezer. <laughs> Don't put it in the freezer, Martha. We appreciate Thanks, the call. Martha. I'm sure he, not near, he wasn't nearly as distraught as his parents were. Yeah, that's right. Can you imagine? You were like twenty thousand dollars in the eighty in the eighties. It was eighty three, eighty four. They probably had just bought. <laughs> gold didn't gold hit a high like an eighty one, and then it didn't mm-hmm. hit another high for tw- like twenty. Years, yeah, right? probably that was in the high. Th- so to remember this because sometimes people, wow, it's inflation. What am I? Gold it it spiked. It hit a, a high and it ran. It ran. It ran dramatically from um, the seventies through early eighties. But they had, we had the oil embargo. We had all kinds of crazy things. And we had yeah. sh- shortly gone off the gold standard. Nixon pulled us off the gold standard. So there's lots of factors at play. Gold rallied like crazy. People said, oh, it's a great hedge for inflation. It was a hot investment for a while. But then it it just did Nothing. dismal. And it took about 20 years before it hit a new high again. Kind of like the NASDAQ. <laughs> kind of like the NASDAQ. <laughs> yeah, it's different this time. It's never different. Oh, okay. <laughs> Let's <laughs> remember that. It's never different. Markets go through cycles. You know what I was, you know what I was, the other night, I couldn't sleep. I was looking up the price to earnings ratio. I know the nights you can't sleep. I get emails that you're like four in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Oh, back can't sleep. I was looking at the price to earnings ratio of Tesla compared to like Toyota or Volkswagen or other auto companies. If you took, if you, if you took out the credits that they received um, <laughs> there'd be like from no the earnings carbon or, offset credits or whatever. There'd be no earnings at no, all. Probably not. Yeah, but the price earnings was like over two thousand for Tesla, and it was like thirteen for Ford. I thought this is the craziest. How much hype is around this? And then I read to this morning. This Elon Musk, he pretends like he's Mister Technical. This guy is the most savvy marketing person I think I have ever seen. He came up this morning and said that he was thinking of setting up his own social network. What's that mean? He, he was, I think he, he was getting tired of Twitter telling him not to do things. And if you own your own network. Anyway. But think about Tesla's stock relative to other ah. transportation stocks. There's a number of these that don't. But make- it keeps, he's, he announces he's going to cut, split the stock. I'm going to. I'm going to do a stock split. And then the the price soars. Like, what? Do you guys know what a stock split is? Does anyone know what this means? Yeah, that's, I think that stock, it hit about, about 1200 bucks a share. Then it fell down to seven something. And then it rallied back. Of, <laughs> again. But again, people say it's different this time. It's never different. Just telling you. It This too shall pass. I think the troubling thing... You think of some other tech companies that have, whether it's Google. Of course, there was lots of search engines back in the day. <laughs> Whatever happened to Netscape? Yeah, uh, lots of them. But some that you can say, all right, they would ha- this company would have to grow fifty fold to fit its price, but they actually had a, a business plan for that. I, I struggle thinking that Tesla is going to be able to sell 50 times as many cars as they're on an annual basis as they're doing today. Yeah, the market isn't that large. And there's so many competitors. Yes, that's right. That's right. And it will happen, but not not in the next 10 years. Not in the next 20 years. Anyway, who knows? If you want to own Tesla stock, good for you. Just have it a small percentage of your portfolio. That's right. Don't 
bet your retirement on it, particularly your retirement. The closer you are to retirement, the smaller the piece of your portfolio should be. We're talking with Linda. Linda, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hi there. Thanks Hi. for taking my call. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a longtime listener and huge fan of your show. Thank you. So we like people I like you. I have a question for you. <laughs> I think I've been listening for over 20 years, so oh. I thank you for providing your service and educating listeners like myself. Well, thank, thank you. you. All right. Keep going. Um, <laughs> no. Wow. I'm pretty good about myself. <laughs> Tell me more about me. Okay. How about you, Linda? This is about you. So, What's going on? Well, okay. So I want your thoughts about maybe giving an early inheritance to an adult child, primarily to purchase her first house in California. How many kids do you have? I have two. Okay. And I'll give you a little bit of our financial situation. Thank you. My husband is semi-retired, and he's collecting a pension of around 150000 He's also, he's gone back to work as a retired annuitant, and he's working part-time. And his pay last year was around 93000 Okay. And he plans to do this until he's maybe 70. How old is he now? So he, he's 62. Okay. So neither one of us is collecting Social Security at this time. Um, we have no mortgage on our house, and we both have long-term care policies. And do you work so outside our, of the home, Linda? No. Okay. We have financial assets of excluding our house of around 4.1 million. Mm -hmm. So we're thinking about giving our oldest child maybe a half a million. Is is that something that we should even okay. do? Let, let's talk. Let's talk about this for a second. Um, and how old are you? I'm 63. And what's the value of the home? Around 1.4. And do you owe anything on it? Nothing. Okay, that's what I said. So and my guess is you're not spend. Maybe I'm wrong, but my guess is you're not spending all the income that's coming in. You, the, you're not spending. Right now. Yeah, because right now you've got income of 200 and, uh, 240 coming in approximately. Are you, are you living on all of that? Are you spending all of that? No. Okay. Of this four point one million, how much of money is outside of IRAs? Outside of IRAs, yeah, four hundred one k. Two point six. Okay, is outside two point six. And, and how much of that is invested in cash, bonds, and or stocks? So tell me how much is in the cash or bond portion. Okay, in the equities portion, it's around seventy percent. In okay. in cash and um, bonds, it's around thirty percent. Okay. So we've got about uh, eight hundred and fifty grand. Is this something both you and your husband want to do? Is this something that one of you wants to do? It's something that I think I would like to do more because I think that why should they wait until we're gone to help them out that we can do now, especially in, in purchasing a house? Tell me about the second child. The second child, they're both, okay, both of our kids make good livings. Um, the daughter, she she probably makes a little bit over 150 Okay. And my son, he will be making good living, um, but he plans to maybe marry soon. And between him and his future wife, they'll be making a great living. Okay. So he won't need he won't need the well, early inheritance. I I know that. So it, does your daughter married? No. Okay. All right. So here's and it, this would be for your daughter buying a house, or your son? Yeah, his daughter, the oldest, not married. Okay. So and how yes. old is she? She is thirty. I like the idea. I don't um, have any problem with that either. I like the idea. Uh, here's the one thing I will caution you. Uh, only because I've seen it, and I know Scott has seen it multiple times. You give the check to your daughter, and you don't give the check to your son right away. At the same time, um, you're going to create animosity between either the two of them or your son and you. I don't care if 
your son has all the money in the world, it is a degree of fairness in their minds. Not always. It can be, but I don't I don't think that's always the case, Ben. Not in my experience. That, and I, even my own kids. I've got I, like Christmas time. I don't care if it's it's not, it's not always even. Since you're not years. talking about a half a million okay. dollars, <laughs> though. <true. laughs> I'm talking about $50 gifts. I mean, even, look, Scott, even when, you know, we'll get personal here. Even when I sat down with my kids this last December and we went through our estate plan and we said, here's who we think should be the trustees on this estate plan if Mr. Hansen can't do it. And there was a, Dispute over why aren't all four listed as trustees? Why are only one or two? Regardless of the fact that I said the trustee doesn't have any special powers, okay, it was just seen as a degree of fairness. So in this numbers here, I mean, you could give it to your you could give it to your son and your daughter at the same time, or I mean, you could you could also gift a lesser amount to each. Help your daughter get that house and give an annual gift after that to help pay down the mortgage. Which is an even better mm-hmm. idea. Because she's got, sounds like she's got the cash flow to help make a mortgage payment. So what if you gave uh, $200,000 and then you each could year? Do, yeah. Because when, yeah, each year you give a check to 30 grand to each one of them. I would probably do that, except I think, you know, in California, the houses are so expensive. And just to even get to that, I don't want her to have an impound account. Right. I want her to have okay. you want, uh, you a want to get, hefty, yeah. You want to, you want to get to over the 20%? Uh, well, I, look, I, I, don't, I, mean, it's, yeah. I don't know what would go wrong in your life where you would need. My odds are, if you don't do this 10 years from now, that $4 million is going to be worth $8 million. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. No, I, I like the idea. So the, I like the idea. I, I, I just just recognize the relationship between you, your daughter, and your son, and how this would affect it if you don't treat them equally or appear to be treating them equally. And you don't have to give it to your okay. son right now. You could say to your son, "Look, uh, we set aside five hundred thousand dollars in an account. We'll give it to you whenever you want." You could get five hundred thousand dollars plus whatever more when we die. You can do whatever Actually, you want. I like that idea, Pat. Set up a separate account, five hundred. Have it invested. So I've got an account set up for you. You can copy them on it. Does he own a house yet? Pardon? Does no, your... he doesn't own own a yeah. house. Well, and no. there's a little difference. Remember, it's separate prop. This is separate property for any one of your children, um, which makes it even a little bit more difficult. Which means that's why he asked, is your daughter married? Is it only separate property before they marry? No, it's always separate property. Anything I bring into the marriage, unless they decide to commingle it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right? Let's, whatever you bring into the marriage is considered separate property unless it is commingled. And anything that is gifted or inherited. To that individual, separate, separate property, unless it's commingled. Unless it's commingled. And where you see it happen often is a home. That's why it's got a mortgage. Let's say there's a couple hundred grand in equity, but a couple hundred thousand dollar mortgage or whatever. Couples living it for twenty some odd years, they get divorced, and one says, "No, I have the house before." And like the other one's like, "Are you kidding me? I've been working and paying them, helping pay the mortgage for these twenty years." Which is why, like when you mentioned your son and his fiance. You know, like, you know, I could give my son a half a million dollars and then he could buy a house. And then the next thing you know, his wife is like, oh, and he's like, no, honey, I'll pay the mortgage. You pay for the, uh, you know, you, <laughs> you pay the Netflix bill um, because of the commingle. And that's a completely different. And we could do a two hour radio show on that. But better yet, we'd make it a podcast. What? So can I ask you one extra yeah, question? Sure. Okay, so with this gift... Will there be any tax implications with it, or can I use? You're going to use part of your exemption. Lifetime. Yes, you can use part of your okay. lifetime exemption. It's currently about eleven million dollars each. That could change in the future. If at some time in the future it would drop back to a million dollars or something, then we don't know how they would address it at that point in time. But you definitely could go ahead and do it. Just let your tax people know they have to file a form showing that you use a portion of part of the exemption. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like the idea, Great. just be Thank aware of the that. relationship between you and your children in doing and this. And your husband. 
No, he my son will ultimately get the same amount. Hmm. So adjusted that, for inflation or not adjusted for inflation? <laughs> no, 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 no. They will get, they will be both treated very equally. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate the call. State. Thanks for listening. Yeah. And we okay. like that. It's a nice, it's a nice position to be in. Yeah. And frankly, I, you see enough situations where people struggle and then they're waiting and their <laughs> parents are loaded and they've never given them a dime and, um, yeah. And then when mom and dad go, woo woo, <laughs> <laughs> nice. I hope they're not partying. Uh, yeah, we have, we have to take a quick break. Um, when we come back. We will take some more calls. Yeah, I'd love to hear from you. Eight three three ninety nine Worth is the number. This is all Worth's money matters. We'll be right back. Can't get enough of Allworth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com slash radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast. Welcome back to Allworth Money Matters. Scott Hansen, Pat McClain. Since we were this last call talking about being fair. And my daughter's clearly gotten more finances from me than my son has. What is that? What do you mean? Oh, you mean money? Like financial support? Yes. Okay. So my, my, my oldest coaches a couple high school lacrosse teams. She calculated how much it's going to cost her to be a coach because she commutes back and forth to the screen. <laughs> she says just the gas alone is, gonna, is more than the stipend she gets. For so, being a yeah. lacrosse coach. Um, so I, I'm, I'm happy. I, I help pay her rent in a That's nice. nice place in downtown Denver because she's my – Little girl, daughter, still, yeah. and, I, and I and I can and I. But your son doesn't. But they're not comparing. Well, my son, he looks like he's almost homeless. <laughs> well, he's almost. <laughs> your son is a nice kid. Oh, he's a fantastic kid. Yeah. Don't you wish you had a little bit more of that in you? So I always wish, like, I, not my son. Oh, we're gonna take put, back the pretty, calls. He's, he's got a lot, he's got some chill going on. So he's been a paraglide instructor for the last couple of years, right? Uh, teaching people how to paraglide and living in Santa Barbara. Got some chill going on. <laughs> his, his his office is essentially a, a hill overlooking the ocean. Not a bad gig. And then this summer, he's going to take a, eight weeks to lead a bicycling trip across the United States with uh, a dozen high schoolers. Wow. He and somebody else. But you support them a little bit differently. He doesn't even take any support. It's, oh, really? His income, his lifestyle needs are so low. But they're not comparing. But the last call... He barely made any money last year and saved several thousand dollars. But that's not your daughter. No. No. As as my kids have said that, Jessica Hansen has quite the nice life compared... According to Instagram. Well, Evan has a good life on Instagram. I don't have Instagram, so... um, Maybe I should get Instagram. I think you should. It'll it'll change your life, Pat. (laughs) I'm not getting any Instagram. (laughs) That's that's the one thing you're missing. Uh, huh? and that I, and TikTok. And again, that. Um, anyway, but back to the call before the break. When, well, this whole concept of fairness. I think every child's different. Every family's different. Uh, but to your point, understanding, maybe under, having good conversations with them, how they feel about things. Yeah, but Scott, there's, this, there's life support, and then there's someone getting a half a million dollar check. That's true. <laughs> someone okay, not. Fair enough. <laughs> Right, a few hundred bucks to help out with yeah, rent. Yeah, they versus... don't. No one's measuring that on a day to day. But if one sh- child, if if Jessica showed up in a, a Maserati, a bright red Maserati, and said, "Thanks, Dad, Daddy," it better be Daddy if I gave her Maserati. Your your son might be saying, "Ah, eh, Dad, Ford F one fifty, maybe, or maybe he wouldn't." Oh, he. I'm sure he would if I bought a brand new. Car. Right, everything is. <laughs> All right, let's go back there. This is a. Uh, let's go back to class. All righty. Eight three three ninety nine. By the way, Scott Hansen would never buy his daughter a Maserati. I that can just be assure you of that. <laughs> that is an example. Nor I a did fancy. buy her a Subaru 
because uh, she was driving back and forth to Portland for school in the wintertime, and uh, I wanted a car that, because the she didn't, no pass. You didn't buy her a Subaru. You bought a Subaru so that you would have peace of mind. That's exactly right, because she had a car that wasn't quite so safe, and it was a bad snowstorm, and she yeah. turned around, because even though she had four-wheel drive, she didn't have the chains. And, and I just so you bought the Subaru her. for you and allowed her to use it. It that was for your correct. peace of mind. She didn't care. Let's go to the calls. Eight three three ninety nine words. We're in Texas talking with Mark. Mark, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hello, gentlemen. How are you today? Fantastic. What can we do for Good you? Good deal. Yes, I wanted to get your opinion on something here. I am uh, wanting to know if I should be doing more of a traditional contribution to my four hundred one k or a Roth contribution to a uh, my four hundred one k. I have the option to do both, or a combination and, of both. Uh, or a combination of both, yes, and that's kind of currently what I'm doing. I uh, I've been doing mostly traditional up until I turned fifty this past year, and then I did my catch up into the. You know, I was going to guess you were like twenty seven. I was going to guess, and like you've just started saving. <laughs> you've got a very young voice. Um, oh, do I? Yeah. Yes. Well, you should see me. You should see my pictures. You know, they look good too. <laughs> um, tell us about yourself. Are you married? Yes. Yes. And, married. And how many kids? Uh, two grown children, so okay. out of the home. How many, what's the family income between you and your spouse? About 330, 340. What was it last year? Uh, 325. It's been, it's been above 300 here in the last three years or so. How much money do you have saved for retirement? Uh, my 401k, I got about 515 and my wife's about 220 and we have, uh, Two Roth IRAs, we've been backdooring about sixty grand in those, and about sixty in a brokerage account, and some cash in the bank. I wish I would have started investing a lot earlier. Well, listen, <laughs> I, my guess you weren't making three hundred thousand though a lot earlier. That is correct. Okay. Uh, that just happened here in the last three years, and so what, we, what was your family income will, five years ago? Uh, 150, well, okay. not probably more than that. Maybe, yeah, 150, 200, but you know, what? we had dad. We were, and your kids grown? Are they life. through college or through whatever they're going to do? Are they self-supportive? Yep. How old did you say you yep. were? Yeah. Uh, 50, 50. I did the deductible. And the reason why I ask guys is it really kills me not getting that tax break. <laughs> I know. Uh, so <laughs> you know what I, I would do? Like the raw side. And do you have the ability to save more money towards retirement? You know, I'm, I'm assuming you're going to stay in Texas. And my guess is your kids aren't moving to California or New York. No, no, yeah. And that you're going to stay follow in Texas. Um, do you no, have an HSA? No, at, here. Do you have an HSA at work? We have that option. Yes, I'm, I'm currently doing an HRA uh, because my son is just turned 26 and he was on our insurance, but he's off. He'll be he's off this year, so HSA starts next year. And, um, yeah, we know what we do. We have the only debt we have is our home. Getting back to your question, uh, Pat, uh, 375. How much longer are you going to work? Oh, I'm going to work till 65. Till All I'm right. Out. So here's what I would do. Let's just go beginning to end, flat out financial, start amortizing your mortgage over a 15 year period to figure out the payment is. So it's retired at age 65. Mm-hmm. maximize your HSA and don't spend any of that money, invest it. Okay. Right. And so you might have a, an investment with health equity is a company that we use, um, which allows you to actually direct those dollars. You're going to pay for all your deductibles out of pocket. Um, yeah. Do the backdoor Roths like you have continuing to do. And mm-hmm. uh, you make- say, when you say backdoor Roths, are you referring to you're contributing an, an, a non-deductible 401k deposit and at the end of the year taking that 20-some grand and putting it into the Roth? Or are you referring to funding a non-deductible IRA and then flipping that into a Roth? The latter there. Okay. How big of, a, of your employer, how big is your employer? Like thousands and thousands of people? Oh, yeah. Uh, it's it's 10,000 employees. Now, here's the, here's the kicker, guys. I don't know if... Um, 15% defined contribution from the company. So it's all traditional. So think, do the math on that. They're putting 15% of your pay into the 401k? Yes. They are. They are. Are you an airline pilot? Yes, I am. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you You're guess? thinking, what other industry does that? <laughs> you know how we knew that? 
<laughs> we actually have a division yeah. of our company that specializes with airline got about pilots. Three thousand pilots as clients. So we have thousands of airline pilots as clients. Yeah. So that's that's so I know all that money. So so that you know that's and, and let me tell you something. Contractually, they have to do fifteen percent. That's right. So when I hit the four fifteen C limits, they give me a check. Yep. Yep. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. I like everything you're doing. I do the. Uh, I would do the deductible. Ah. Uh, I might split it down the middle. The only way we're going to know is if we can project in the future what the income tax yeah. rates are going to be. It's no, it's anyone's I know. guess. And so I know. They, I heard you guys talk about that. Like, uh, conventional wisdom would say, always take the tax deduction, right? Yeah. Yep. But, uh, well, the I mean, the, the reality is, if you go is- at retirement time, at age 65, you got a million dollars in a Roth IRA versus a million dollars in a Tax, traditional taxable form, okay? The Roth's worth a heck of a lot more money to you. Well, hey, let me ask you yeah. a question, Mark. Were you small? Were you flying for a smaller carrier and then moved to a larger carrier in order to get these benefits? Yes, that's that's the case. So okay. my previous carrier was only getting nine percent match, and now there we I get go. Defined contribution, and and, and, and your pay went up. So you were you were probably flying for a regional, and then you went to a major, right? Correct. Yeah. Uh, it's almost like we know this industry. Uh, yeah, as I say, you guys, uh, you guys have a lot of friends at airline pilots. We have uh, no, thousands it, of clients. So we have an office in. Uh, we have uh, office offices in Dallas, where one of our divisions is called RAA, and it works mm-hmm. primarily with pilots from most of the big carriers. And so we understand the pension plans uh, and the health yeah. benefits very, very well. And when we say we, we talk Not collectively. <laughs> Um, Scott, yeah. and I know enough to be dangerous. Yeah. So actually it's called RAA. So back and they could actually give you direction in the 401k and Scott, they could do an analysis. Well, running the numbers, it, but it, it, look, if the tax rates are exactly the same in the future, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. matter. Assuming, yeah. assuming you save the tax deduction, right? So when you contribute to a, a traditional, you're limited, right? You get that tax deduction this, if the, mm-hmm. for the tax to be the same, it would assume that you then take that savings, the tax deduction you just got, and save it for the future in a tax advantaged yeah. way, which you're not going to yeah. do exactly. Um, if I no, were in we your do, position, I do I, contribute to a brokerage account on both of our on both of our behalfs every month too, because it's I, we have excess money. So if I right, were in your you position, I would do it. I'd split it down the middle. I'd go with that. We don't know in the future. Yeah, we don't know, and you're not going to hurt yeah, yourself I'm, splitting I'm, it down the middle. That way you're right. Well, you're probably wrong splitting it down way. the. You're probably splitting it down the middle anyway. I am doing a little bit. I'm doing the catch up, so the seven thousand this year. But you know, like everything the company gives me is going to be traditional. So I'm thinking, heck, if I could that's right. uh, take some of my portion and put it four hundred one k and have them both grow and then do the back door. I mean, yep. that's kind of my plan. Yep. But yeah. but I don't see that tax deduction of, of that nineteen five or twenty five this year. You know, okay. Twenty point five well, this year. Listen, like, oh. no one's crying for you here. <laughs> you know, look, I know. You, you pay the taxes now or pay the taxes later. You're going to pay the taxes. Yeah, that's true. So if the tax rate well, stays the same, it doesn't matter. Whether you pay it at the beginning just, of the cycle or at the end of the cycle, the dollar. Uh, it's just that I see the. It's just that I see the taxable right. income now. I'm not going to see it later. That's <laughs> right. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Okay. So uh, right, anyway, so but go to a, go to go to uh, uh, RAA. What's our website for RAA.com? Go to RAA.com. I think. I think. I or all worth. But we there's like some I tools said, there too. We have tools for pilots, and we've we've worked with all worth. RAA has worked with thousands and thousands of pilots. It's RAA.com. Thank you, okay. Pietro. Pietro, thank you. So visit our website <laughs> so, there and uh, tell your pilot friends to. And we specialize in that. So. So, so one quick question. My yeah. wife just did the great resignation, self-employed now. So she should do the same thing with her self-401k? Should she do a Roth or the traditional or split? Okay. So she's self-employed. Correct. She would – is she going to earn any money? Oh, yeah. That's oh, yeah. the objective, I think. <laughs> Why else would you work? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, you would do the same. Do the same. Okay, that's what I thought too. Yeah. Say, I'm on the same page, just do the same thing. Okay, exactly. All right, appreciate the call. Yeah, wish you well. Thank you, Mark. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. By the way, you said you're talking about. I was thinking about that. If his wife wasn't working before, his income would preclude him from doing a spousal IRA. Couldn't do a back. Yeah, you could. You can't do a spousal IRA if your uh, your spouse doesn't work. 
If your income's over 190 oh, grand, oh god, it got it, got it, got it. You can if it's your income's low enough. Yeah, his income is not low enough. So yeah, that's right. if his wife had not worked in the past, he would not have been able to. But do she a, was working. I, she's she now self-employed, but she's still working. Even if you're self-employed, you're correct. still working. That is correct. So I like where you were going through and checking yourself on the, the recommendations <laughs> you were exactly giving. That's exactly what I was doing. <laughs> which is, which is, because well, it's not uncommon when you see someone who's got a high wage that has a spouse that has no wage. Because that's right, that's not uncommon at all. So. Yeah, but it's good. It, I mean, it's just a good practice to actually good people that give good advice check that advice in their head as they're giving it, and then sometimes that's probably later, a smart thing to do. <laughs> yes, and sometimes later, and, oh crud, I shouldn't have told them that. It's it's an interesting doing this radio show over the last twenty eight six seven years has been interesting because we give lots of advice and we always wonder, hey, did they take the advice? It's not official financial planning advice, by the way. Just a disclaimer: these are just ideas. We encourage everyone to consult their own financial advice. And we yeah. We, we, it's obviously it's a short this is format. This a way to say this is not an in fact legal client engagement. It's a a three minute or five minute or six minute conversation doesn't replace a, a two or three hour meeting where we collect all kinds of data and then crunch the numbers. But so we had a gentleman, Jason Scott, who is our producer that has joined us recently, and I we were we were sharing this idea of like whatever happens. Yeah, these, did people take our calls? And Jason says, "You know what? I'll call a couple of them up that were on we'll the show out. years, and we'll just ask them." And so we decided to do this. So this is a new segment. If it works, we'll do it again. If it doesn't, you'll, you won't. <laughs> you will never hear from it. So anyway, we talked to this gentleman back in uh, July of 2021, and his name is Tony. Tony's not a client of Allworth. He's um, just a like most of you, just a listener of the radio program. The and so, uh, and Tony, thanks for being on there. We're going to share, share the, um, you're there, Tony? Yeah, I'm okay. here. Okay, we're going to play uh, the, the portion of the, the meat of the advice that we gave you back in 2021. And then we're going to follow up with a couple questions to see if our advice was even worth the time uh, to listen to. So or, play the clip, please. R right now, it's 148,000. How old are you? I'm 60. What's the interest rate on the mortgage? 2.9. And how much do you have in your 401k and 457s? My 401 uh, today is today 680 in my uh, 457 and the 401 has 397. And and your wife, uh, how much does she have? That's combined. Okay, so you've got approximately a million 80. Yeah. What if you did this? What if you took one hundred and forty-eight thousand, or maybe even a tad bit more than that, from your four hundred one k and moved it into a separate IRA. Invest a little more conservatively, then have that IRA, whatever that mortgage amount is, have it just send you that check for that amount each month to make the mortgage payments. So, well, are so you take a hundred and, and let's say sixty thousand and move it into an IRA and have it pay me. Yeah. back that amount of the mortgage. That's, that, that's a psychological game that we're playing here. Yes. How much money do you have in the bank? You, you guys, again, like the last gentleman said, you're going to get mad at me. I, I have about 157000 Oh, this is easy. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, oh, you're killing me. <laughs> Tony, Tony, you answer the question for us. What do you do? <laughs> but I don't want to deplete that. That's, no one cares. Uh, no. Stop, stop. <laughs> Stop. You have almost $1.1 million in liquid cash. It sits in a 403B and 457. Don't worry about depleting that. Absolutely don't worry about it. If you're worried about liquidity, you've got plenty. How much are your pensions between the two of you? You mean what's our, like, monthly? Monthly, or, or yes. Monthly? Well, 16,000. Okay, and have you touched any of the 457 or 401k since you or your wife retired? No. Okay, okay, look. You go down to the bank where you bank, and there's a picture of you and your wife back there, and every day they walk by and they give you a little nod and say thank you because you <laughs> lent them at a half a percent, and then you borrowed it back at almost three. Take. Yeah, yeah. I don't want you to talk about it. 
I don't want you to think about it. I don't have a dog in this fight. You got to go down, pay that thing off immediately, write the check. But okay, but you know, I'm by the, by, you know what's interesting, like to- <laughs> Tony. You you started this call, and you said, "I wish I had the problems of the previous caller with his four point yeah. one million. And we said maybe it's realistic to take uh, $160,000 a year out. You've got a pension. You and your wife's pensions are $192,000. And you have guaranteed uh, cost of living. You're much wealthier than the previous caller. You have much, much more money than the previous caller. If I did what's called a net present value calculation. If someone said option door number eight, door one is is the previous caller and door two is you, I would take door two. That's right. But you, yours is viewed differently because you don't view it as a lump sum. But if I did what's called a net present value calculation based on your life expectancy and your life, wife's life expectancy and put a cost of living adjustment in there. It, it, you can do whatever you want. Yeah, but right, he called right. me. <laughs> yeah. Well, you guys are making me feel good now. But I still feel... You know, it just makes me nervous. Okay, okay. Uh, but, but no one cares how you feel. You just you're going to do the right thing. <laughs> this isn't a hard decision. How about this? How about I pay off your mortgage and you <laughs> write me a check every month that pays two point nine percent interest for someone that has stellar credit and will never default on this thing? How do you feel about that? Well, <laughs> write me the check. All right. I will actually, I would do it. I would do it. I would do it. You want to loan him the money? I'm going to collateralize his home. The home's worth more than $148,000. I'm pretty confident he's going to make the payments. I'm pretty he's confident. Got pensions of almost 200 grand a year. Yeah, there's plenty to go after there. So, uh, Tony, thank you. That was what? How many months ago was that? Eight months that was ago. Last July. Last July. Eight months ago, yeah. Eight months ago. Last July. So, so Tony, tell us what you did. Well, I took your advice to a degree. Okay. <laughs> and what I, <laughs> I'd like to say that you pushed me in the right direction. Um, you know, it, it was sound advice. And I, and I really, what I said then is, is what held true even through the process. I paid off my mortgage, but I did it in increments so that it wouldn't um, seem so daunting at one time. So, I, I ended up taking some some cash. I mean, I took about half cash and then did what you suggested as far as 401k. But I started thinking, well, why not just, you know, just, just do it all at once? And so eventually that's what I did. Okay. And, and it's paid off my mortgage. So I had to take a little hit on the taxes, but it was worthwhile. Well, <laughs> you, you taxes. Not Wait a minute. Because you, you took some money out of the IRA, so you keep some money in the bank, correct? Exactly. Yeah. So, and what, my guess is you took thirty or forty thousand dollars out of the IRS, so you keep some money in the bank. Am I close? <laughs> thirty thousand. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so you you know you know so you know what's interesting about this is this is where behavioral finance yeah, actually I lo- comes I, I, in. I, I love I love the situation just because we're all human and we all have our own biases and fears and dreams and. It, and it drives all of our decisions, right? Yeah, yeah. In every area of life, you're and particularly exactly our right. finances. Yeah. You're exactly right. I mean, when you're, you know, when, you know, there's a comfort zone that everybody has, I guess. And not everybody. Not to see. Yeah, you have. <laughs> so I guess, yeah. You talk to someone who's and 65 and never saved a dime, I'll tell you, they, they very different comfort levels. So, and so how did yeah. you, so you, you went through this process, at the end of it, you feel... All right. It feels strange. Um, <laughs> you know, of course, I still have to pay taxes, and that's unavoidable, you know, property taxes. But nonetheless, I mean, it just feels, I mean, not having a house payment is just, I don't know, it's, it, 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 it feels good <laughs> not, to, not to have a mortgage uh, first time ever. Um, I don't know if you, I live in Wilton, California. Yeah. So I, it, it, uh, I don't know if you know that area. I, I do. I do. Um, so, so Tony, the, the interesting thing about this, right? The interesting thing about your net spendable income every month has gone up because of the fact that that money's not going out to the yeah. mortgage. And it is, you know, you know, we see it 
all the time where people, they, there's this psychological that you have to have a mortgage. You don't have to have a mortgage. And by the way, you should make sure that your portfolio, that, that million $80,000 that you have in your IRAs is well diversified so that you can get some peace of mind as that goes through these markets ups and downs. Yeah, it's, it hasn't been. I mean, yeah, obviously, I mean, I, a little bit of a hit in the last few months, but it hasn't been. I mean, I've been through, the, you know, having it so long, I've had this happen in the past, but, you know, it's all, you know, not about, it's not about panicking or doing anything crazy. I, I, I'm, I'm not doing too bad. Yeah, I think uh, you're right doing now. great. I think you're doing great. Yeah. So. I mean, as far as my investment. So I'm not, you know, I'm not too nervous about that. I just, you know, you guys, I, I've been listening to both of you for a long time. And, um, you know, I've always wanted to call in and, you know, sometimes you need that little push, you know, to say, well, if they say it's okay and they, they live it every day, you know, it, <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe I, I'm, I'm being too conservative. You know, Tony, with that advice that you just said, I'm going to have my wife actually start listening <laughs> to this show because we talk about behavioral finance. Today, my wife and I had a discussion about something around finances and we both had different views of it, Right. And so I could anchor my views 100% in logic because I'm, this is what I do and I try to remove the emotion from it, but it doesn't move my point. So we appreciate uh, you listening to the show and uh, congrats on having the paid off mortgage. Yeah. Thanks for calling. Yeah. Well, thanks uh, both of you. Thank you. I will. Well, shoot. We only have about a minute left in the program, which is uh, a shame, but um yeah, let's promote I our kinda, website. I kind of like that callback thing. We should try to do that again. I, I enjoyed it. We are working on it. Um, and if we don't have enough during the terrestrial radio programs that we do, we will start doing them on podcasts too. But I, you know, I used to love the ones Click and Clack did years and years ago. That's Do they still broadcast that? Because one of the guys died and they kept broadcasting it for years. I haven't heard it for years. I haven't heard it for I years. I couldn't. I'm not a much of a car person, so I couldn't quite. Uh, if there's any sound my car's making, it's immediately in the shop. <laughs> my car was smelling of gasoline so bad that the handyman was over and called and played. he opened the garage door. He's like, I think you're... What was wrong with it? Something. They fixed it. I don't know. There's something in the fuel line didn't work or something. It had a leak. Something that smelled like gas. Anyway, out of time. So we'll see you next week. This has been All Worth Money Matters. This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.